Welcome to Colorful Conversations about all things home and decorating. I'm Tasha, the founder of Kaleidoscope Living. I love colorful decor, home decorating, and organizing all the things. And I'm Tia, Tasha's good friend, colleague, and type B counterpart. I know from experience that living your best life begins with creating a home you love. So on this podcast, we chat about DIY, home design, and life at home. And I know from experience that juggling kids, work, and life in general often means your home gets put on the back burner. Together, we bring two unique perspectives for some very fun and colorful conversations. Thanks for joining us. Let's do this. Yes. Hello, hello. Yes, it's just Tasha here again. I'm very sorry if you were if you were hoping to hear Tia and her amazing southern accent and her fantastic sense of humor. I miss her too. I'm all alone in my closet again. It's still winter, so it's real cold in here. Um but she's going to be back. She's going to be back. Probably you only have to survive this episode and two more episodes without her. Um, and if you didn't tune in last week, the reason she is not here for the first episodes of this season four is because we're doing something special uh, to kick off this season. I am featuring some of what I felt were the best and most powerful interviews from the Beautiful Home, Beautiful Life Summit that I hosted last February, pre-pandemic. So if you didn't even know who I was back then, or you didn't participate in the summit, and you've never heard of it before, the Beautiful Home, Beautiful Life Summit um, is a unique online event that I put together that brought together a ton of experts in the field of organizing and decluttering, and then also the field of interior design, decorating, and styling. Um, And we brought together those experts to share their knowledge with um, the the people, y'all. Now, why did I put it together? Well, I've said it before, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. If you don't love your home, you're not living your best life. It sounds harsh. I'm sorry, but I, it's true. So I created this event, um, which is free. Everyone can watch for free. And it focus on it, it foc- the focus of it is helping busy women declutter organize and beautify their homes because I believe you can't really beautify your home until you organize and declutter it first, okay? So that's really why those three topics are covered. And we did it last year for the very first time. We're doing it again this year. And uh, this year it's going to be on February 16th, 17th and 18th and the m- my personal favorite part is that since it's an online event, You can watch the sessions at home in your pajamas. The way it works is the sessions are pre-recorded. So I've actually already been working on interviewing the experts. Um, And then February 16th, 17th, and 18th, we make the interviews available. We we push them, quote, live. We make them available. I don't know. It's hard to... I don't know how else to say it. And each session is available to watch for 24 hours for free. Okay, so last year we had 40,000 people participate in the online summit. Now, 
for people who are working or too tired to watch, because God knows I can relate to that, um, there is an option to buy lifetime access to the videos for a really low price. Um, before the summit begins, you can buy lifetime access to all the videos for 29 bucks. So if you don't feel like you have the capacity or the time to watch all the sessions that you want to watch during the 24 hours that they're live, then you could always take that route. But there's I think this year we have a total of 28 experts. So over the course of the three days, it's roughly 10 sessions a day. And you would have 24 hours to watch the 10 sessions on the 16th, 24 hours to watch the sessions that air on the 17th, and 24 hours to watch the sessions that air on the 18th for free. So you never have to buy anything if you don't want to. Um, and we did it that way for a reason because we want to help as many people as possible. Um, and if people can't, you know, if $29 to buy lifetime access to the videos isn't in their budget, we didn't want them to miss out. Um, all right. So last week I shared an interview with Nicole from Sweet Domicile about small space organization. And in today's episode, I'm sharing my interview with New York Times bestselling author Ruth Sukup. She is the founder of Living Well Spending Less and has written not one but two books on decluttering and simplifying. So in this Beautiful Home, Beautiful Life session from last year's summit, we chatted all about conquering the emotions of decluttering. And y'all, the feedback from people about how much these tips helped them was incredible. Um, when the summit is going on, we have a Facebook group um, just for participants in the summit to connect with each other. And there was so much buzz about this session. So here we go. Let's listen to it. All right. Welcome, Ruth. Welcome. I'm so grateful that you are taking the time to do this. I'm excited for everyone to learn from you. And as your friend, I'm just kind of excited to see you and get to chat with you. Ooh, I know. I'm excited to see you too. I'm excited to chat about all the things because let me just tell you, I can talk about all the things. I know we could talk. We really could talk about all the things, but we're going to, we're going to try to talk about decluttering today. I'm really excited about this topic. When I surveyed my audience, just kind of trying to get a sense of what topics they would want to hear about at the summit, the emotions of decluttering came in very high on the list. Isn't it crazy how it's such a big thing? Decluttering is not just a knowing how to do it. It's dealing with all the emotions that get attached to stuff. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you, in theory, everyone knows, well, if I have, if I feel like I have too much stuff, I need to get rid of it. That's not the stumbling block. The stumbling block is once they get their hands into it, it's like, so, um, I mentioned in your intro that you, your whole business is dedicated to helping women everywhere create a life they love. So tell us a little bit about yourself and just the journey that led you to this mission. All the things. Well, I started, um, I started my business and originally in, oh man, in 2010 now. So it's been a while. Crazy, yeah. And I started not because I had some big mission to save the world or help people create a life they love. It was completely just the opposite. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had two little girls. 
at home and a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And I was just looking for something to do that wasn't going to Target because literally that was my only pastime. We had just moved back to Florida and I had left my whole support system behind and I didn't really have any friends and Florida is hot. So when you have little kids, you can't really go to the park because it's too hot. And we would go to Target. That was our playground. And it was just as fun for mommy as it was for the kids, maybe even more. And so as you can imagine, I started filling up our lives with all this stuff. But also my husband and I started fighting more and more about money because I was spending every time I'd go to Target, even right. though I was, it was like a little bit here, a little bit there. Everything at Target is cheap, right? Well, it starts yep. to add up after oh, a while. Yeah. So I, we ended up fight, starting to fight a lot more about money. And ultimately, I realized we needed something else to do. So I decided to start a blog about my adventure of trying to live well and spend less. So trying to live on a budget. And through that, I started writing about what I was doing to save money. But I also started to write about the things that I was doing to save time at home, to get more organized and to create systems. And, you know, I was... I had these two little kids at home. I was always trying to figure out how to do things better and faster and easier. And uh, so I started writing about it and found that a lot of other women were interested in that too. And so the community started to grow and eventually the blog sort of blossomed into this whole other thing that I was sort of at first had never imagined. But soon after when I realized, man, people are like doing this for real, like for a living <laughs> right? Um, that I wanted to do it too. And so the, it became a business and here I am 10 years later and it's blossomed into so many more things. <laughs> yes. Um, it's all, it's great. I've written six books at this point and, um, and been, had the opportunity to speak all over and been featured all over. And that's pretty cool. But really, truly my mission and my heart is, is right there. The same thing to help people create a life they love. So whether that means getting your home in order, which I still help people with is how to, how to figure out how to create better systems at home, how to do the things you don't want to do faster and easier so that you have way more time to do the things you really want to do. And to go after those bigger goals and dreams, I help people organize their time. I do a lot of time management and goal setting and I help people start businesses. And then along that, along with that, I um, provide a lot of motivation through uh, my do it scared podcast. That's all about getting it done. <laughs> it is about getting it done. And one of the things, so as I was preparing to chat with you about this particular subject, I kind of went back through my copy of your book, Unstuffed, which was, yes. was your second book. Um, and one of the things that really hit me or kind of came back to me as I was looking over it is, um, you know, you know, my philosophy, we talked about it many times. Like I really believe everyone should have this amazing life. And I believe to my core that it really starts first at home. And I think your Unstuffed book really um, underscores that point. Um, and so anyway, we'll get into the details about it and how it's really about so much more than just decluttering. Um, that's more the action that that puts all these other things into motion. But one of the first line, it may be the first line in Unstuffed, is I have a love-hate relationship with stuff. So true. So tell us about that. What do you mean by that? Well, so I love, I love, I'm a shopper. I am a shopper at heart. I, and I still am like the only saving grace 
now in my life is that I, I somehow got to be better at making money than I am at spending money. I think. Thank goodness. Because <laughs> it's true. I love, I still love to go to Target. All I would go to Target every day if I could. It's so fun. And I do. I love to shop online. I'm, I'm just a shopper at heart. I love to... New things make me happy. Pretty things make me happy. And so I have this love, love-hate relationship with stuff because I love to... I love to get new stuff, but then I hate to have too much stuff and I hate to feel like stuff is overwhelming me. And that's what happens when you keep bringing more and more and more in, ultimately it starts to feel oppressive. And so this, I, there's always this push pull between feeling like I want to get more stuff because it makes me happy and it gets me excited. And then feeling like, oh my gosh, I have too much stuff. And now I need to get rid of it. And it's this constant battle. And for me and my husband, it was a constant battle too, because he's not a shopper, but he is not a, doesn't love to get rid of stuff. So I'm more of an easy come, easy go kind of person. Like I can bring it in, but I don't mind getting rid of it. Even if it still has the tags on. Yeah, that was, I didn't, I bought that, but I didn't decided I didn't really like it. I I will do that, which is terrible. It's a terrible habit. Like don't judge me right now. You can judge me. We've all done it. Um, it's, but it's a terrible thing, but I don't have that. A lot of times I don't have trouble getting rid of things. If I don't like it anymore, I'm done with it. And whereas my husband, he'll like want to hoard everything. So once it comes in, it becomes this black hole where it never leaves because he won't let me get rid of anything. We used to have these big fights where I would, does this ever happen? Maybe this is not a normal marriage relationship, but I'm going to tell you, we used to have these big fights because I would go on my like purges of wanting to get rid of stuff. And I would put everything like, then I would like try to sneak it out of the house. Oh yeah. Because otherwise he would start going through the boxes and pulling everything out. So finally he was like, you are not allowed to get rid of anything without me looking at it. It's but then hard. it would just end up in the garage oh. and then the kids would go and find it and take it right back into the house. And it was, it would never work. It was disastrous. Yeah. So I don't have as much of a problem with Joe. He's generally pretty okay. We have, I would say as we've gotten older, we have been able to kind of overcome the emotions of decluttering and just do it if it's not serving us anymore. But when we are trying to declutter, I'm like whispering because one of my kids is home right now. When we are trying to declutter their stuff, there are, if they see it, we have to do it when they're not at home because if they don't see it exit the house, they forget they even have it. But it's really interesting because um, I, I think I probably was the same way when I was a kid. I was told I I had an emotional attachment to everything. I think a lot, even like homework that I had completed. Um, and so that is what I'm seeing happen to my girls who just turned nine. They think everything's a treasure and everything is so special. Do they both? They both both have that way. Oh, yes. I have one who is that way and one who is not at all. So it's really interesting with the two of them because one of them will let me come in and just clean stuff, throw stuff away, get rid of what, or reorganize for her. And she'll, and then if I label everything, like she can pretty much keep it there. And then eventually I have to do it every six months, but she doesn't care what I get rid of. No attachment to anything. Uh, That would be easier. One of mine is a bit more emotionally entrenched in things, but the one 
the one thing I finally was able to say to them that seemed to resonate because they'll have all these treasures and they're like organized, but they're just laid out in rows on the dresser. <laughs> and I finally said, so if you step back and look at it, 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 it kind of looks like, I mean, some of it is like rocks, like and just rainers. And yes, I know. So I finally said, if you, if you treat everything like it's special, then literally nothing is special at all. And I think that was the first time that they were like, okay, that makes a little bit of sense. Um, but that's just an ongoing process. And I don't know, I, that they seem to under, be able to understand that if you just see a sea of stuff, as Atlee would call it, stuffy stuff. That's how you know it's special if it's her stuffy stuff. Then then it doesn't look special to anyone else and you kind of forget why it was special. We're working on it. It is a work in progress. Oh, yeah, always. You know, my other daughter, the one who doesn't want to get rid of anything, what she will what she likes in theory, she wants to organize. She's 13. She loves the idea of organizing and she'll say I'm going to organize my room and she'll but she has so much stuff and then she'll take it all out. And then she'll get super overwhelmed with everything. And so then she'll see me like in like half the time, I'll go into her sister's room, completely redo it. It'll be perfect. It'll look great. And she'll be like, mommy, can you help me too? (laughs) And then I say like, yes, I will help you. But then I get to have some say in what we get rid of. And so they're just like, okay. When they get older, you have to negotiate with them more. Yeah. Oh, I'm not looking forward to that. But the fact is like, okay, so we're talking about this happening with our kids, but the the fact is it carries through to adulthood for pretty much everyone. I mean, it, it used to be hard for me to get rid of stuff. And so I hear all the time from people who want to like decorate their spaces but they can't even do that because they there's too much stuff that they don't even want anymore. And then they can't seem to part with it. So decluttering is really, really, really hard for people. It's like the first step. It's the first step to everything. And it makes your life so much better. It oh, really does. It makes it, you, it's like you can breathe again. It really does. Feel, like it feels like a physical transformation has happened mm-hmm. to your body because it's, you don't realize how much it's weighing you down until you're able to let go of it. But one thing I love about your approach to decluttering and especially how you talk about it in Unstuffed is, yes, you do have to go through the actions and motions of decluttering, but it's so much, it's really about so much more than that. So just kind of like, it's about more than getting rid of stuff. So just talk to us about that. Yes. Well, the first thing that I recommend for people to do, and I think this is probably similar to what you recommend when you're talking about decorating, but even before you think about, oh my gosh, I just need to declutter my entire life. Think about your space and how you use your space and how you want to use your space. What do you envision for the space? Because different people have a different clutter tolerance too. So what feels very cluttered to me might feel very sparse to to you. It might not feel like enough things. I actually like things like my surfaces in my house. I don't like any decorating knickknacks or anything. Every surface, horizontal surface in my house has to be clear all the time, which is so (laughs) weird. It looks like nobody lives there. But when I try to do decorating type things, 
I'm like, oh, it makes it makes me anxious. Right. It's weird. And then I go to my friend Edie's house and I can appreciate her house just being beautiful because it's been featured in Better Homes and Gardens. Like it is beautiful. But oh my gosh, she has like rugs layered on top of other rugs. Like who the heck does that? I don't yeah, even Yes. Every, no, you're absolutely Shots right. And it's each other. Yeah. You're like, we're layering all the layers. We're layering the layers. Yeah. Yes. So I could not live. I could not live like that. Even though I can aesthetically look at her, her beautiful house and go there and think it's so beautiful. I know that I could not. And for a long time, I used to think, because I don't feel like I'm great at decorating. I don't feel like that's my gift. So I would look at these pictures or look at things that my friends were doing in their beautiful houses and think that I was supposed to do that too. But then every time I would, it would not feel right and it would not make me happy. And so what the first thing that I recommend about is really thinking about how do you use your, your home? Who do you share it with? Who are the people in your house? Like if you have little tiny kids at home, having all sorts of precious things around is not a great idea. I think, you know, we just moved into a new house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this has been like interesting because we've had to, we kept our old house and we turned it into a vacation rental with all the furniture in it. So we had to, we we're having to refurnish. And when you're furnishing a whole house at once, it feels like it would be fun, but instead it's overwhelming and also very expensive. So we've been buying a lot of Wayfair or <laughs> ordering a lot of Wayfair and a lot of like, you know, just like, this will be good enough. So we bought a couch and we thought we got a good deal on this couch. Well, we get it home and I'm like, I love this couch. Oh. I don't love it. But then we got a puppy and now I'm like, well, we got a puppy. So I guess the couch is going to be fine for now because it's not going to last for very long. And then we'll have to get a new couch. Hopefully once the puppy is better trained and we can work it all out. So sometimes you just have to realize like if I'm in the season where I have a puppy or I have little tiny kids, maybe investing in some really nice pieces is not the right thing at this moment in time, but it has to do with like what you, what you feel comfortable with and how you want to use your home and who you have there. Like you got to think about those things before you just think about like going in and having to live up to somebody else's expectations of what your home is supposed to be. Oh, for sure. And I think the other thing that you talk, I think in Unstuffed, you talk about it in terms of having like a vision for your house. And it's so smart. I think it's also like the first step in battling those emotions. Because if you, I mean, my, my mom is a great example of so many, so many of these things. (laughs) But if you have um, piles of paper on your dining room table, Yes, that was pretty much how our dining room table. That's kind of like where the mail went and then the piles would get sorted and it was just piles upon piles of piles. And so if you can sit down and and you genuinely in your heart want to be able to entertain and to host loved ones and have friends over um, and you you are able to focus on that as you are decluttering your dining room, it become. I think it becomes. It's kind of like. I mean, this is a random connection, but kind of like we talk about in Elite Bog Academy. You know, doing all the work that's required is going to be really hard unless your why is big enough. And I feel like the same is true for decluttering. So if you can take 
um, a moment and think about your vision. And I think you have these exercises all written out and unstuffed if memory serves me. Um, that will kind of help like carry you through the tough, the tough yes. part. Yeah. Yeah. Your why has to be bigger than, than, than your fear of doing that thing. And that's so, it's so true because if you can really think about how do I, what do I want to use my home for? Is it, have I always dreamed about having people over? Do I love having people over, but don't or avoid it because I have paper, piles of paper all over the, then that's what you think about every time you're doing that thing. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. one other thing I want to say about this too, because my husband is a paper piler and he, and I know it drives me crazy because I'm not a paper piler, but one thing I've learned in 16 plus years of marriage is that you have to learn how to live with each other's little idiosyncrasies. And so what I have, I know for him is that he needs one big flat service. So I will not let it be the dining room table or the kit, the new kitchen Island that we have. Cause I don't want to have that stuff all the time. But he also does the laundry. So he gets the whole counter in the laundry room. And then he also has a whole desk upstairs in the get in the new guest room where he gets to put all of his papers and he can be he can have his own system for organization. So sometimes it's just a matter of figuring out, okay, what's the alternative? And how and that's when I what I mean by how do you live your life and who do you share it with? Sometimes it's a matter of you if if this is where everything naturally goes then you're going to have to figure out how are you going to have an alternative to where everything is naturally going or it will always end up back there. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent agree. And I, you know, I think a lot of emphasis, there's a lot of emphasis these days on going paperless and, you know, we have taken a lot of steps to decrease the amount of paper that comes in our house, but paper in and of itself is not the enemy. <laughs> Piles of paper with no system is the real problem. So if Chuck's system is, he he understands what his piles are, then <laughs> by God, give the man the laundry room countertop and that's fine. I mean, we have, we have kind of always one pile in our kitchen. Um, and it's kind of like where, for example, if I get, you know, a letter home from school and it has some important dates on it, it might live there for a day or two before I get it transferred into my calendar and then I can get rid of the paper. Um, but you're right. We have to all be tolerant. It's very nice knowing your strong feelings about keeping horizontal surfaces clean. <laughs> I just the I can close the door to the laundry room yep. and I don't look at it and I don't have to go in there because thankfully I don't have to do the laundry. So, I mean, I should count my blessings, I think for that one. I'm not the laundry doer in our house either. And I definitely count my blessings for that. (laughs) Um, Okay. So one thing I'm super excited to talk to you about is it's kind of like a personal pet peeve of mine, I guess. Um, So a little bit of background, every house we lived in before this house was an old historic home with very limited closet space. Um, I think everyone knows, has either lived in houses or knows somebody who is. And I mean, so there's no coat closet. You, you are real lucky if you have a linen closet. And then bedroom closets are teeny, teeny, tiny. And so now we live in a house that was built, you know, in the 80s. And it's like, it's a storage heaven. It's great. But the... The misconception that is so rampant, and I hear it at least once a week as well, I just, 
I just don't have enough closets or storage space. And I'm like, no, that is not the problem. So, and that's something you have talked about. And I want you to explain why the amount of storage space you have is never the problem. Solution. More storage is never the solution. It's never the solution. No. And we can all dream of more storage space. And I certainly do too. But the reality is that we will, it's like that, what's that law of nature that a gas will expand to fill its container. That is how we, that is how humans are. We will expand to fill the container. So you get a bigger closet, a bigger closet. It's just more to organize. It's more places to hide the stuff that you should be getting rid of because the, because truthfully, most of us have way too much stuff. So having smaller closets can actually be an advantage because it forces you to be more selective with what you have. The smaller this, the smaller the space, but then you have to get really, really diligent about purging because you don't want to just be putting stuff in the closet. You don't, that's not, it's not going to help anyone truly. No. And it will all come to a head at some point. And it's so, so my friend, um, she's a great friend. She is kind of inherently tidy, which helps, but she lives in, um, the DC area where housing is very, very expensive. So her house as a whole is very small and they're, they're, they have less storage space than anyone I've ever seen. But what is so fascinating to me is that she lives in the most uncluttered, serene, wonderful house ever because she is diligent about purging and because she has gotten really creative about um, how they use her spaces. So for example, you know, a lot of people struggle with storage in bathrooms. They make like she has a little pedestal sink. But instead of, and we've all seen those bathrooms when we go as a guest and there's just, there's like stuff everywhere because there's no, there's no medicine cabinet. It's just out and it's scattered about. Hers looks like a hotel bathroom. And I finally said, hey, where are these girls? It's a, it's a bathroom that her two daughters share. Like where's toothbrushes and stuff? Like where's the stuff? And she said, oh, they use a caddy like they're in college and they keep their toothpaste and toothbrushes and all their stuff in it. And they carry it back and forth to the bathroom. And when they're not using it, it goes under their bed. And I was like, that's genius. Wow. So she just is really super creative about the little space that she has. Yeah. And it's because if there is clutter, um, so her tolerance for clutter is really low. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're saying. I mean, there are plenty of people who could have her bathroom that could tolerate a toothbrush and toothpaste at least, but she can't. It's an important point to make that if you are feeling overwhelmed by clutter, I think you and I can both agree that there is a solution. Um, you may have to get rid of some stuff, but even the stuff that you do have that you don't want to look at, there's probably a way to not have to look at it. I promise. So true. So true. Um, okay. and And if you add more closet space, all you're doing is adding another place where you can just stuff stuff. You know, you're, you're constantly stuffing it all in there. And it's most of the time stuff that we don't actually need or want. And so if you get into that, habit of forcing yourself and setting strict limits. That's actually, I have a 
formula that I use for, for decluttering. It's called become clutter free. So it's F R E E. And that's one of the things establish set. That's one of the E's <laughs> establish strict limits for everything that you have. So some like ways that I've done that in my house is 40 hanger closet. I've written about that in the past. I talk about that in then stuff too. And because I'm such a shopper and I do love to shop, but if I just keep bringing in more and more stuff, what I would find is that I would buy a lot of like clearance stuff or things that were on sale and, and, Oh, this is such a good deal. Cause I love getting a good deal, oh, yeah. but then I didn't love it. And so I, I would look in my closet and feel like I've got a whole closet full of stuff and I don't, don't have anything to wear. Cause I don't like any of these things. So what I started doing is I pared everything down to 40 hangers. I allowed myself... Now, some, for some people, 40 hangers would still be like so many. For me, that was paring it way down. Right. And um, to four, so I get 40 hangers. And then I have... If I want to bring something new in, I have something else has to go. Okay. So I have to really love it to bring it in. And what that did for me then is also gave me permission to... St- instead of just buying the cheapest good deal stuff that I didn't really like to actually pay for stuff that I love and to be willing to pay for things that I love. So now I spend a lot more money on each item, but I'm getting things that I love. And then I have to, I'm really careful about things that I bring in because I don't, I'm like, well, if I take this, then I have to get rid of something and I really like everything I already have. So it did change. Yeah, that is really smart. I may have to go to a 40. I'm sitting here thinking how many clocks. doesn't have to be 40. (laughs) But you, it's the important thing is just pick your number and that is the number. Okay. All right. I love that. Um, Well, one of the things, okay. So (laughs) the big sticking point for so many people about getting rid of stuff is when it didn't start as their stuff. Cause I'm like you, if I buy something and I don't wind up loving it, you know, it's not awesome, but I can let go of it. But we, you know, when you have, this thing that grandma gave you, even if you you didn't like it then, you really don't like it now, but you feel like guilty, guilty. about letting go of it. How yeah. do people... That I feel like is 50% of what people won't let go of is it was yes. either a gift or it came from a special person. So yes. how, what, how, what do you tell those people? Okay. So this is a big thing. And and we went through this, um, actually right before I wrote Unstuffed, we had just gone through this in, in our family because my husband had lost his mother and then his sister in, yeah. in close succession. So we had to deal with all his mother's stuff and she was a, she was a pack rat and then his sister also, and he was her only surviving family member. So it was up to him to, oh, to wow. go through yeah. all of that stuff. So it was, it, and he, got to the point where, where he felt like he, 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 I remember him just like crying to me. Cause he's like, I feel like I'm throwing them away. I feel like I'm throwing their life away. I feel like I, I don't, and I, he, and he's way more sentimental than I am with this stuff. And it was such a big deal, but we finally had to get to the point with it because we could understand, we can't keep it all. It was too much. We already right. have all, all of our own stuff right. that we're trying to deal with. So we, we came to the conclusion that first of all, it's when it comes to other people's stuff and you're dealing with other people's stuff, what you're sad about getting rid of is not actually the stuff. It's the memory of the person. 
but you do not have to hold on to the stuff in order to hold on to the person. You can hold on to your memories without holding on to the things that they had. The, the stuff is just stuff. It is not the person. So when you are th- getting rid of that stuff, that does not, that is not a reflection on your love. It is not a reflection on how you felt about that person. It is not a reflection on how you're going to honor their memory. You can honor their memory. You can love them and you can remember them without having to have all this stuff as this way of remembering them or as honoring them because honestly, they don't care. They're dead. And so don't care whether or not you still have all of their stuff and it is okay to let that go. And I think once you can start to separate that feel that feeling that you're actually throwing somebody away because you're not throwing away somebody's stuff is not the same as throwing them away. You have to make that separation and you have to keep telling yourself that over and over and over again. And then the other thing that people struggle with the guilt of is gifts. If things were given to you as a gift. And so for that, I say to remind yourself over and over that your only responsibility when you are given a gift is to say, thank you. That is your only responsibility. What happens to the gift after it is given is completely up to you. If somebody gives you something that is not your style, you can be gracious. You can say, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the gesture. I appreciate your kindness and your thoughtfulness and thinking of me. And then you can re-gift that. You can donate it. You can sell it. You can do whatever you want because your only responsibility is to say thank you, to be gracious in that moment, to say thank you, And then what you do with it afterwards is up to you. Oh, it's so true. It is so true. And it, but it is hard. And I think that another thing that I personally have struggled with, and that I know other people struggle with as well is, um, you know, I have just, I, I grew up in kind of a financially unstable environment. And so I'm, I can be fairly thrifty and I don't, what makes me very uneasy is feeling like something is a waste of money. Yes. And something that helped me probably, I don't know, a year ago, I saw this random quote somewhere because I think that whether we're given gifts or it's like a family piece, but we know that money was spent on it Mm -hmm. and somebody's like hard earned money was spent on it. But I, and so for, for me, and I know a lot of people feel like when they get rid of that, that thing, when they part with it, that that is a waste of money. But the, what the quote said is that money was wasted when it was purchased. Like that is something that happened in the past. It has nothing to do with like, talk about that too. The money is already gone. It's already gone. There is nothing you can do to get the money back. It's already been spent. It's already been gone. So the best that you can do is either give it to somebody who's actually going to get joy out of it and get, um, get value out of it or sell it and try to recoup some of that money because the money's gone. You can't get it back. So there's no point in holding on to something that you don't love or you don't want because it was expensive. That's not, it doesn't help anyone. Well, it's just, yeah, it's, it's literally like it invalid. The money, (laughs) the transaction happened sometimes like centuries ago, just let it go. Okay. (laughs) So two really important things. I just want to take a moment here to recap people and things are not the same. And that's something you say a few times in unstuffed. Mm -hmm. So you have to remember that Two, the money is gone. So if you have to chant these things to yourself as you declutter, 
do it. It really, it really will help. Write it um, okay. down, put it on your, put it on your chalkboard, put it on your mirror, would do whatever you have to do. Cause it's, you do have to rewrite the, the script that's play, that's been playing all this time because so much of decluttering is actually dealing with your mind and your mindset stuff than it is dealing with anything else. You're dealing with the emotions. You're dealing with all of the things that you've been telling yourself, probably a lot of stuff that has to do with how you grew up and how your family equated love with stuff or any, like there's so much psychological stuff that goes into it. And you really have to keep replaying these messages because the truth is, the reality is people and stuff are not the same. Stuff is not the same as memories. So a memory and a thing is two different things. And the money's already gone. That's important. And your only responsibility is to say thank you. That's your only responsibility. Thank the giver. That's it. You're right. Now, this is not, I'm going off script from my outline. Shocking, I know. (laughs) But it just occurred to me that one thing I hear a lot, this is not so much of an issue with us because we don't live near family, but we have, you know, there are so many people who live in the same town as their parents and their siblings. So they're given a gift. And particularly when it's a houseware of some sort, they feel like, the person will know if it's not there. What do you have any tips for that? You so people feel like compelled to put it on display because these are family members and loved ones that come to their house. Yeah. Again, I just say you, your responsibility is to say thank you. If you write a thank you note, I mean, you can you can say thank you, and you don't even have to lie. You don't have to say you love it. You can say, thank you so much for thinking of me. It means so much that you thought of me. I, I really appreciate your kind gesture. There are lots of things that you can say that are all going to be truthful. And then you do with it what you want. It is not your responsibility to put something out that you don't love. It's not your responsibility. So it's okay. Like, and there, I'm not going to lie. There might be an awkward moment in the future where your relative comes over and says, Hey, where's that thing I gave you? And you'll say, Oh, I don't have it out. <laughs> or, right. I well sold it or what I mean you could say as much as you want to say. You could just say I don't have it out right now or I couldn't I haven't found a great spot for it. Whatever you want whatever you decide to say and it might be a little bit awkward, but I would I would always err on the side of being kind but truthful and yeah. just say, you know what? I appreciate the gesture so much, but ultimately I realized it was I couldn't find a right spot and it wasn't my style. And so I actually gave it to somebody who I know it was the perfect style. I hope that's okay. And you said, I mean, yeah. And I think that this is something I've had to do many, many times in my <laughs> life, even, even when my mom only visited a few times a year, but you're absolutely right. And the other thing that has helped me in those moments is if I... I think everyone could agree on this. If I gifted you something, Ruth, like, and I thought it was amazing. Let's say it was like a piece of artwork for your house. If you didn't genuinely love it, I wouldn't want you to display it in your home. Like I, I wouldn't, that would make me feel terrible. So I think if you can also think about that side of the equation, um, but the few times... <laughs> usually I've done exactly what you suggested, which is be gracious in the moment, hope that there's not an awkward moment. But there were a few times that I was gifted something that I knew was expensive enough that I, and luckily it was with my mom. So it it wasn't, I don't know. I feel like, 
you know, it's, it's unconditional love, but there was one time my mom gifted us with a nativity set that was, I don't want to call it life-size, but it was gigantic. And it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a Yadro nativity set, was it? I don't know. I don't even we know. We inherited one of those. <laughs> and every I, year my kids want to put it out. <laughs> I mean, it was big and it was, but it, it was big to the point that you might think that was meant for outdoors, but it was not, it was like, it was nice. It was meant for indoors. Mm-hmm. And I, that was one moment I distinctly recall saying, thank you so much. Um, Cause I had been like hunting for a nativity set. So it was clear that she had like really thought through the gift. And I said, I know that this was expensive and I just, I don't, this is just so not my style. I really, feel so much better if you could get your money back for this and she you know I don't think it hurt her feelings I think she honestly was grateful that I wasn't just gonna stuff it in my attic yeah after she had spent money on it right yeah see and that's a perfect example like it's never easy to handle things like that and like there's always going to be awkward moments but that's part of being an adult it's part of being human like you have to learn how to handle the awkward moments sometimes but that doesn't mean that you have to be the the person who puts everything in your house that everybody else gives you because you don't and you don't really like it you have to be able to set boundaries part of it is is being being able to set those those boundaries now one thing i would suggest that you don't do this is here is a perfect example of what not to do okay great cuz <laughs> this actually happened um, so my sister-in-law before she died, um, was the most doting aunt, uh, that you could, you could ever have. I mean, to the point where, cause she had no children of her own. So she, it was just my two daughters were her only two nieces and she wanted to give them everything. And which is so kind, like she was, she just loved them. And, you know, now that, now that she's been gone for many years, I can, I, I have a lot more guilt about how annoyed I used to get as the mom of a, of two little kids and she's bringing more and more and more toys and stuff into our house. So she would, for Christmases and holidays, she would give them so much stuff that it was too much. And I couldn't handle all of this stuff. And so I, but then I had this blog. So what I did, which not like the best move is that one of my big decluttering moments where I was putting a lot of, bringing a whole bunch of stuff, a whole truckload of stuff over to the the secondhand store. I took a picture of it and posted Uh And it was a lot of stuff that she had given us. Right. And she saw the picture oh. and she was so hurt because I was giving all of this stuff away. And I felt like, I'm not going to lie. I felt like a big jerk and I wasn't, oh. it was a, it was a jerky thing to do. Even if I was giving it away to take a picture of it and post it in a place that I knew that she could see it. Like that was a jerky thing to do. So yeah, lesson learned. Don't do right. that. <laughs> Don't do that. That's a good, that's Don't a good tip. That. Um, be more gracious than, than that. Like it's okay. And I, but the, there was a silver lining out of that moment because that was the moment where she realized she was giving us too much stuff. Like if I was just giving it away because I couldn't keep it all, then she started to become a lot more, um, cognizant of that. And she started asking me like, Hey, what do the girls actually need? And she started giving them more like educational stuff. And so there was some good that came out of it. Um, but yeah, ultimately it was 
that was an awkward conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that is a great, I mean, you're right. That is a great silver lining. And it's something that, you know, as a parent of kids also, not only do we have Christmas, but our, our twins birthday is uh, three days after Christmas. So oh, December wow. is in terms of the amount of stuff that, that comes in. in. I, the first year it happened, I was like, Oh my, it was terrible. But one of the things we did after that first Christmas was say, for, they're so little, kids get easily overwhelmed by a lot of new things at once, which then means they wind up ignoring pretty much everything. So th- we did have conversations with, um, in our family, we just adults only gift to children. Like we don't do adult to adult gifts. Um, and so we said like, hey, I don't know if this will be helpful, but from now on, what we're what we'd like to do is put together like an Amazon wish list of things that they actually need or that um, they would like, but that we knew we had like sufficient storage for, and we weren't just going to have like a big I don't know train in the middle of the room. Um, And I think when you can confront things like just head on, like hey, in advance of Christmas, here's some helpful thing yeah. to keep in mind. People are usually really, really happy. They want to give you what you want and can use and can, uh, they don't want to drive you crazy with stuff. So right. that's, that can be another great strategy, especially if you have kids. Yes. Just tackle the conversation. Like kids are such like, that is, if you have to get a handle on what's happening with your kids stuff, because it just keeps coming. It keeps coming and keeps coming. And they're like stuff magnets. So even when you declutter one time, you have to do it again. I think probably with my kids every six months and every time I'm like, where does all this little plastic stuff come from? Where do you guys even get this? I don't buy it for you. I don't know where it comes from, but birthday parties. To literally to the point that the, I mean, usually we're like gone when it's their birthday. So they haven't had very many birthday parties, but it's to the point that if I ever host one for them again, instead of giving out a favor bag, I seriously want to give out a cute little card that says, you're welcome. We didn't give any plastic toys or pencils away. That, that would be, it would be amazing. I know. I don't know where it all comes from, but I, we definitely have like taken within our, within our own kids to do more experiences, both for birthdays and, and we instituted many years ago, a no gift rule for birthday parties. So when our kids, our kids do like to have um, birthday parties, we give them a choice. You can either go on a trip somewhere. We'll take you on a trip or you can have a a birthday party is one or the other. And we're like, please choose the trip. But a lot of times they choose the birthday party, but the rule is if you choose a party, we're going to tell all the kids no gifts. And that's what we say. We always put that on the invitation. Like your presence is your present. Please no gifts. Oh, and, I love that. Your presence yeah. is your present. That's so nice. And it's been great because then we don't end up with a bunch of, because that's let's tough. be, let's be honest, like kids that come to birthday parties don't, don't bring like the best gifts. Like, <laughs> Well, it's, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's rarely something that your kid has been like dying to have because no. they, at least most of our kids, they have relationships at school, but you know, I don't know that nine-year-olds talk in depth about like their true wants and desires. Don't want more squishies. Don't want them. 
And you're right. I mean, kids are a magnet for stuff. They're also a magnet for paper. I mean, I feel like 90% of the paper that comes into our house originates from the school, um, which I could get into. A, we, I'm sure we could have a whole conversation just on how to manage school papers, but we're not going to, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But we could. Yes. Oh, we could. <laughs> Because it could take over your life if you, yeah. I mean, and so I'm going to give just a quick tip. Yeah, please. For, for paperwork, like for basically anything that are any paper and information stuff that's coming in, because that, I think so many people struggle with that. Like the mail, whether it's the mail, the kids' papers, any of the stuff. So my recommendation for anything that's coming in information, this goes also for email. You can do the same thing for email, but create if this, then that rules for all of your stuff. So create your systems, but they need to be very simple systems that you will actually follow through on. So if you're, if you have tried and tried and tried to like have a filing cabinet and file everything neatly, but that never works for you because you can never keep it up. Stop trying to make that be your system. Just don't, you don't have to do that. If piles are your best system, then that's fine. You can have piles be your system, but then have a place for your piles where it's not, it doesn't feel like it's in your face all the time. And also have rules. If this comes in, then it goes on that pile. If this, so my rule with my kids stuff is, is if they bring something home from school, it goes in a basket in the top of their closet. And then at the end of the year, one time a year, that's when we go through it. And then they're not mad because I'm throwing stuff away. Cause of course we're not going to keep everything. We're only going to keep the really special things. And we keep a few things. Then that goes into the keepsake basket because I can't be filing things all year round or trying to figure out something like it takes two seconds, this top of the closet. So if you can do that for just for the things that tend to come in a lot that you never know what to do with, create some rules, then you don't have to think about them. It takes because have you ever heard of the concept of decision fatigue where you get all of this stuff and we get overwhelmed by the paper because it's, oh, yeah. it feels like all the decisions we have to make. But if you make the rules, you don't have to make the decision and it makes it way easier to deal with. That is really smart. And then you're not falling behind because, I mean, who has time to like file paperwork daily? I certainly Nobody. don't. So nobody. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's a great idea. The other thing I wanted to mention before we move on to talking about kind of some of your favorite tools for decluttering and organizing is this. I mentioned earlier kids, and I've seen it with my own kids. I've seen it with other kids. When they have just an abundance of toys to choose from, they choose none of it. It is truly fascinating. And I know you have like a wildly popular blog post called why I think it's why I took all my kids toys away and why I'm not giving them back <laughs> but wasn't that yep. your experience that when Most you hated mom in America <laughs> truly I got like death threats for that one but I don't take it back no and tell people what your experience was I mean you pared down the stuff that they had significantly and what changes did you see in your kids Oh my gosh. It was amazing. So this is when my kids were little, my kids are now 10 and 13. So it's a whole different ball game, but this is, they were, I think like three and six or something like that. And they shared a room and they had all the stuff that they were always getting from their aunt and so many toys and so much stuff. And 
they couldn't keep it clean. They just couldn't. And I was like, every day we'd be cleaning the room. Girls, come on, let's clean your room. And I'm, I'm a, I was a mom that wanted my kids to learn how to clean their room every day. They yeah. still have to clean their room every day. I know some parents don't do that. We do. I'd never we do I it. Not yeah. learn how to clean my room as a kid. Yeah. And I wish that my parents would have drilled that into me and taught me that habit. And so I, they have had, they couldn't do it. And, and every day I'd be like, girls, if you can't keep this stuff clean, I'm just going to get rid of it all. And finally, one day I was like, you know what, let's just get rid of it. And so we took it all away. And we had this huge pile in the hallway for like a week. Cause I didn't even know what to do with it. So much stuff. And as soon as it was gone, they were so much happier. It was, remember that feeling we were talking about at the beginning where it feels like yep. a load had been lifted off of totally. you. That's how they felt. They started using their imagination. They started reading more. They stopped fighting. They stopped asking for stuff when we would go to the store, like, because they're like, well, why would I ask for something? Mom's just going to take it away. <laughs> but, and, and I know I got a lot of hate mail about like how my children were afraid of me, but I promise you they weren't, this was, they were, right. they were helping to get rid of it. And it wasn't that I kept everything from them forever. They eventually got some stuff back, but it was drastically reduced to the point where it was manageable. It was easy to keep clean. They liked it we started rotating stuff more. So I kept, so even the stuff that we kept, which was, we got rid, we got rid of probably three quarters of it. And then the stuff that I kept, I would like have a bin that they would play with and then have another bin that was in the attic and we would rotate them out. And they just enjoyed it so much more and it made our lives so much easier. And that was the, I think for me, the moment that I realized that I was doing to myself the same thing that I was doing to them, which was just burying them in so much stuff that they couldn't keep up with it. And so that was sort of what started the whole journey of, of getting our whole lives decluttered and unstuffed as I Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I feel like, you know, it's one of those examples where watching our kids and letting them inform us, because, you know, we are, our brains are so full of stuff. But when you see that the fewer choices kids have, the happier they are legitimately. I mean, I would challenge any parent out there to conduct this experiment for themselves, but the same is true for us. And it all goes back to, I mean, really you could call it decision fatigue when you have just so many uh, frames and just houseware stuff everywhere. You don't really, your eye can't even focus on it. You don't appreciate it on the same level. And when you pare it down to just those things that you really, really love, it's, it fills you up on such a different level and kind of takes away that almost frantic feeling. And I imagine that is how kids feel when they walk into a playroom and there are 9,000 choices they're presented with. Um, it is. Okay. So let's chat about, um, your, just your favorite tools, like on a practical note, like what are your three favorite things when it comes to decluttering and organizing? Well, I really only have one that is my favorite favorite and that is my label maker, which I am, I love, and I I'm old school. Cause I see all your pretty cricket stuff in the background. <laughs> yeah. My daughter, I, she just, she's 13 and she just got a cricket for Christmas and that it's so up her alley. Cause she's so oh. into crafts and stuff. So now she's starting to make me like cricket labels, which oh, I'm yeah. pretty cool. I don't want to oh. do it myself, but if she's going to make them for me, then that's great. 
But I've had this one little thing that, you know, you like do the tape and then it mm-hmm. comes out really slowly. And I've had the same one for probably 15 years. I love it. It's still going strong. I have to replace the batteries a lot because it takes a lot of batteries. But <laughs> oh my gosh, I label everything in our house. And my husband always makes fun of me. And I remember this w- way back when, when my kids were babies. He's like, why are you labeling everything? They can't read And don't you know where all that stuff goes? And I said, yes, I know where it goes, but now you also know where it goes. And so you can put things away. And now that my kids can read, they can put things away where everything is supposed to go. And I am such a believer that if you label everything, there's no excuse. And things do stay so much neater because everybody knows where it goes. Because I can can create a whole system or go and organize the whole pantry but if I don't label no. every single thing, it's not going to, it'll stay that way for maybe a day. But if it's all labeled, then I was like, oh, I guess this goes here and it stays. It's so true. And we have uh, an old school, I think ours is like a Dymo, D-Y-M-O. I don't even oh, know. I, cool. <laughs> oh, it's very old. Yeah. And it prints out on the tape. But even as we were putting our Christmas decorations away a few, a couple weeks ago, um, I, we got that thing out and I was, because it is quick and easy. I mean, I do love a, a cricket label, but there, that's a process to yeah. get that set up. And, but that, I mean, it's handheld. You can like, if you can text, it you, in can, there. you can use that label. Maker. Oh, I know. I have the Avery one. You just put the little tape in and it just prints it out. And it's, it's great. I do. I love it. I label everything everything. Everything. Well, okay. So this is, you'll appreciate this then. We had, um, this was in one of our former homes where we really were limited on storage. And so one of the creative ways, and we were real thrifty back then. So one of the creative ways we discovered to use the back of doors was not even to like invest in a back of the door system, which is what we would do now, but just to get shoe organizers, like the clear plastic shoe organizers. And it was great. I mean, you, we used it for our batteries, like different size batteries, um, so needles and thread. I mean, just all the little stuff that could, I guess, go in a junk drawer, but you don't like, didn't I wanted, (laughs) I wanted to be able to organize and see it. Well, Joe, my (laughs) made so much fun of me because it was clear, right? (laughs) I labeled every pocket. And he was like, but it's clear you can see it. But, and I'm so mad that in the moment I didn't realize like, yeah, but, but if I don't label it, we're going to put things back in a different place (laughs) because when he said it, I was like, well, it is clear. That's a valid point, but, (laughs) but you're, you're exactly right. And I think deep down what I knew is, but if I label it, if the, the, whatever the D batteries go here now, they're going to go here for the next three years forever. Yeah. I don't label things for me. I label things for everybody else. Not that I, I also label my stuff. Like I don't, I don't do it for my benefit though. I just like, I like to label things, but for everyone else's benefit, because then it all goes where it's supposed to go. Otherwise, no question. Like it's just there. I mean, if, if when you labeled it, it, it fit, it will continue to fit. It's like, you have to kind of do the hard work one time, figuring out where things go in the best place for things. And then it just, it's yep. almost like autopilot, which is the best. Um, and I do feel like 
you can avoid things like uh, junk drawers when you, I mean, no one, junk drawers don't need to exist. There's a whole, just get yourself a label maker, put it on your wish list. I'm like you. And it makes Joe even happier than me, which is really, really funny. It's like a roadmap for everyone. It is. It's in your it keeps life. It, all, it keeps it all in place. Once, once you do the work of getting organized, don't, don't sabotage yourself by making it hard for, to keep that system. And that is, that's another thing that I really, I mean, we talked about it with the paper, but anything that you do, any system that you create, any organizing that you do, make sure it's maintainable. So that needs to, it needs to be the simplest possible solution. The thing that is closest to what you already do, that's already your habit. So it's not a huge tweak and it's not a huge shift to your system. Have you read that book, Atomic Habits by James Clear? I haven't. Is it good? So I just read that. And I, I mean, I love habits anyways, but one of the things that he talks about is it's something called habit stacking. And it's something I've been like practicing a lot. Um, lately, but it's this idea that we all have habits and routines in our life. We all have things that we already do automatically, right? And habits use a different piece of your brain than any, than like when you're trying to change something, trying to do something that takes willpower, that takes effort, but habits you just do automatically. So if you can identify the habits that you already have in your life, if you're, you can identify the things you already do pretty automatically, and then create a system that helps change that just enough, just enough. So you're still doing the habit, but it, it actually makes it good. That Then you're way more likely to stick with it. So an example, because there's something I'm like, I always need examples. Yes. An example would be if you come home and you want to get changed into your, you, like the first thing you do is want to get changed into your comfy clothes. You come home from work, change into comfy clothes, and you're like dead from work. And you leave your clothes on the floor. That's what you normally do. If that's normally your habit, then instead of putting them in the laundry, whatever, then they just lay there on the floor. Get a laundry basket or a hamper right where you normally and stick it right where you normally would undress, which is probably the same spot every time because you do it without thinking. And then you can, instead of putting your stuff on the floor, you put it in the laundry basket. So now that might not be a great example because it might not be, your clothes might not be dirty every time. But one of the things that I've started doing in my, in my life, because I am the person who comes home and wants to put my comfy clothes on. Oh yeah. Me too. I do when I walk in the door after work is I pour myself a glass of wine. Like I okay. have my little wine area in our house. I have, it's like my little ritual, right? Mm. I love it. I love that after work glass of wine. It's my wine downtime. So now I pour my glass of wine, but I don't get to drink it. I don't get to take my first sip until I spend five minutes tidying up my closet and making sure all my clothes are put away. And because I always have the problem of leaving my clothes on the floor during the week, and then I will tidy my closet during on the weekends. But I hate that because then by Friday, it's like kind of messy. So I was like, I want to, I really want to break this habit of not away during the week. So that's what I've been doing. Oh, have not so had good. one problem with it. It's amazing. <laughs> so good. So my wine, good. my like, my like carrot. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, it works. It makes perfect sense. I mean, it's actually. I'm trying. I'm sitting here thinking, like, what can I do? What can I wait to reward myself with, or a habit that I already do that maybe I could hold off until I like exercised? Yeah. 
I'm going to, I need to read the book. I'll read the book. Read the book. Like it's, it's all about like making, making things that you want to do easier and making, uh, there's like different ways of helping yourself do habits. So habit stacking is one making things you don't want to do harder. So figuring out ways to put obstacles in place so that you don't do the things that you don't want to do, um, that are all bad habits. So doing those less and then making having ways of making good habits easier. So another thing that I've been doing is mm-hmm. I wanted to get back in the habit of running in the morning, but in our like the I always get up way earlier than Chuck and right. so and all my workout clothes are in the dresser which are in the bedroom. Uh-huh. But I have I don't want to turn the lights on. So I started at night. This is part of my 5 minutes that I before I can drink my glass of wine, I also get my workout clothes and set them in the closet which is I can turn the light on in the closet. So then when I get up in the morning, I can get put my workout clothes right on and I don't have to wake up Chuck. And then you I go. Removed the obstacle. I moved the obstacle. Yeah. Okay. So another it's this is occurring to me that another objection I hear to decluttering, and I'm sure you hear it from your audience too, is why you just don't I don't have time to declutter. And I'm always like, oh well, let me tell you something. <laughs> That, because it does, there is a time commitment. I mean, you do have yes. to spend time decluttering, but, and I wish I actually had like, there's gotta be a study out there on it. But what I tell people is, oh, you just are going to have to have faith and trust me that the time, let's say you spend 30 minutes decluttering a particular surface in your kitchen. I feel like a kitchen, like kitchen countertops are a big one. Cause that seems to be people's landing zone and it, it can get cluttered really, really easily. But think about, I always tell people, think about how much time you waste looking for your car keys and your cell phone and the things that will be gone if you declutter. Like you do, I feel like for every 30 minutes you invest in decluttering, you at least gain that back times two. Oh, at least, at least. Plus the whole like calm and satisfaction of just having your feeling like your life is in order. So I would recommend a couple of things. Some people want to do a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I actually wrote a book about that that has like 31 challenges. It's 31 days to a clutter-free life. It's not like a book that you open up. Like Unstuffed is a book that you can open up and read from cover to cover. Like a flow to it. Um, 31 days to a clutter-free life is like, here's a challenge every day. Here's one thing to declutter every single day for 31 days. Um, So you can do it. You can do it like that. Or in, in unstuffed, actually there's like a weekend challenge that is decluttering your entire house in one weekend where you just buckle down, you start on Friday afternoon. And it talks about how you prepare for this weekend. Like, what are you going to do with your kids? Cause you can't have them in your house when you're trying to declutter for a whole weekend. You need to like swap with another family and trade kids for a weekend. And you can do, you can do it one weekend. They can do it the next weekend. Um, and like, how are you going to cover meals? Like, what are you going to like either freezer cook ahead of time? So you have something to eat or you're going to order pizza every time. What are you going to do for the food? Cause you got to think about these things. Oh yeah. I was going to say you're removing every single excuse. And then you, you just prepare yourself to dig in and get it done in one weekend where you're just, and then you got to get it out of your house. All the stuff that you're getting rid of it, actually, you have to get it rid of it and don't put it in your garage. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was just going to say that's one of the things I recommend to people like, don't, don't just have it go land somewhere else. That's 
kind of not decluttering. That's just moving or cluttering, moving. And that's what a lot of us will do. We'll move things from one. I used to do that forever. Or I thought my problem was I needed more baskets or more bins or more storage, more storage containers, whatever. And that's not the problem. What the biggest problem is you need to get rid of stuff. And then once you've gotten rid of the stuff you don't want, then you can think about, okay, what systems do I want to put in place to keep it this way and to keep it nice? And that's where you start to think about the habits that you already have and how can I create a simple system that's based on what I'm already doing because we're human and we're going to fall into our old, old routine. Right. So the more you can make something fit with what you already do and the way you already live your life, the more likely you are to stick to it. Ugh, makes such good sense. Okay. So I have a feeling that people are going to watch this and get real fired up to declutter. I hope so. Good. So, um, but so we've already talked a little bit about how to make time. But you also have a really, really good freebie for people. Um, what can you tell us about that? So if people are like, I don't, I no longer have excuses about why I don't have time to declutter. But let's say, oh, well, they just don't have any extra money in their budget to buy your unstuffed book. Well, guess yeah. what? she has a freebie for you. I do. In fact, we have so many free resources at Living While Spending Less that it's almost ridiculous. There's a whole section on decluttering. Truly, there's so much there. But yes. go to livingwellspendingless.com slash clutter-free cheat sheet. Yep. Okay. And we've got um, the the clutter-free formula that I was talking about where the F-R-E-E. That's all part of, that's part of the clutter-free. <laughs> part of that. Oh, perfect. Go okay. Get that, download it, and it will kind of walk you through the four, the four, principles, um, basically, but some, there's great blog posts there too. There's so much, so much. There there is, it's a treasure trove. If there is one thing that I had discovered about Ruth very early on, it's that she is like beyond generous with her knowledge and everything that she's used. So she really does. She's not kidding when she says there are a ton of free resources. So that's that's money also invalid because you can get a lot of what you need completely free. So if you're watching, we'll include that link for y'all. But again, if you're just listening, that's livingwellspendingless.com slash clutter-free cheat sheet. Yes. That was like a hard thing to say. I know, that is a long, that's a long <laughs> one. I even have, I think there's even a blog post somewhere about how to sell your stuff. So oh, if you awesome. want to make money on how, like if you're ready to make money on how to sell your stuff, it kind of tell, walks you through like four really good ways to sell your stuff online. Which is awesome because that's one of the things that I talk about in Designer and a Binder because a lot of people, if they're, let's say they've overcome the emotions of decluttering, they're ready to get rid of some stuff, which is the first step in the decorating process. One of the things I tell people is, look, when you're deciding what to get rid of, think about how you might be able to sell it because that gives you your seed money for your yes. brand new design. It's like yes. a total win-win. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So where else Where else can people find and connect with you? I know that, I mean, there's so many places. One of my personal <laughs> favorites is your Do It Scared podcast. It's so good. But where else can people find you? Yeah. So there's, if you're a podcast listener, there's the do it scared podcast. If you're interested in starting a business, there's elite blog Academy living while spending less, obviously. And then if you're, if you are interested in time management or better organizing your time, I have a planner called the living well planner. So all of those things. It's amazing. If you're on my email list, you have for sure heard me talk about the living well planner. It's the planner that I've gone back to more times than I can count at this point. And 
it's just a total bonus that it's really pretty so <laughs> and colorful <laughs> very colorful it's very on brand for me all right thank you so much Ruth this was super helpful I uh I mean if we can even just help like 10 people declutter I will just fill my heart with joy you so thank you take pictures and share them Take pictures and share them. You can use the hashtag beautiful home, beautiful life. That is the summit hashtag. Um, Ruth, do you have any special hashtags for living while spending less? I know you do um, for do it scared. Hashtag, hashtag living while spending less. Oh, perfect. There you go. You can use that one too. And you know, what's really funny. This is a total random thought to close things with because why not? <laughs> I realized in unstuffed, one of your tips is do it scared. Like you're going through tips about how to declutter. And one of them literally is do it scared. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it may never feel like awesome in the moment. Cause there are a lot of hard, I mean, you're 100% right. Like it is a psychological exercise, but one of your tips was do it scared, which is the name of your newest book and your podcast. So I was just like, works. Wow, Ruth, that's impressive. Um, Anyway, so thanks again for doing this. I know it's going to help so many people. Thank you, Tasha. I hope you found those tips helpful. I can tell you that as someone who can declutter with almost zero emotions, occasionally I'll have a touch of it if it was like a very special gift or if it's something that belonged to someone who has passed away, a little bit of emotional creep in, but for the most part, I can declutter with almost no emotions at this point. And it really is game changing. So I hope that you can get to that point too. Uh, because as I said, you know, I I get asked so much by people Um, you know, if they feel like their home just doesn't look the way they want it to, the (laughs) most often the common denominator is that they need to declutter and organize. Um, you just, a cluttered and disorganized home can really not ever reach its full potential. I'm sorry, but it's true. So if if the emotions of decluttering are holding you back, it's really, really important to push past that. So I hope that that session and Ruth's expert tips helped you. You can connect with Ruth on her site, which is livingwellspendingless.com. There she shares simple solutions for a streamlined home life. And get excited, y'all, for this year's Beautiful Home, Beautiful Life Summit. Registration is going to open on February 1st, and the event will actually begin on February 16th. Okay, so that is it for this week. The plan for next week is for me to share a session on how to create, not find, because no one's ever going to do that, but how to create time in your schedule to create Um, sorry, to complete home projects. And it's a good one, y'all. Such, such good tips. Um, Because that's another question I get asked a lot is like, oh, you get all these home projects done. How do you do it? Well, for one thing, y'all, I'll give you a little preview. For one thing, at this point, it's my job. But back when I was still a full-time lawyer, um, 
we got, frankly, just as much done. And I realize now looking back on it and after talking with the expert who I interviewed about it, it was because that's exactly what we did. We created time in our schedules to do it. So you're going to want to listen in on that one for sure. Okay, one more thing. We really, truly appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review whenever you listen. It really does make a difference, and it really helps other people find this podcast, which means more people will listen, and that means we can keep recording it for you because we don't, you may have noticed, we haven't been taking on sponsors for this podcast, Um, so we basically just, I don't know, it's like volunteer work. Um, And please keep tagging us on Instagram to share what you do while you listen. You might think we are kidding. We've said it before, but it seriously is like our favorite thing to see. So you can tag me at Tasha. No, let me try that again. Tasha dot kaleidoscope uh, to show us what you're doing while you listen. That's it, y'all. I will be back in next week. Thank you so much for listening and have a happy week.